Aw, uh, you know what that noise means, folks. Welcome to another episode of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name is Stephen Craig. I am the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. So glad you can join us this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just can't help myself when it comes to Rage Against the Machine. I probably say that every every single week, but that's all right. Um, so glad you can join us, everyone. Uh, this week's column is uh, a little bit different. Um, and it, I'm writing about bears. That's right, bears. And it, you get to hear that, and you all of a sudden go, well, what the hell do I give a damn about bears? I don't even live where bears are. Um, trust me, this one, this one has more of a general relevance than you might think. And... Um, and that I, I try to apply what is particularly true here in Colorado, the fact that we live amongst bears, um, and apply it to a more general principle about life. And I think when uh, when truth in a thousand words or less is at its best, that's exactly what it does. Um, before I get going on that, by the way, uh, I see a lot of my friends uh, from back home. I, I grew up in the wonderful state of Connecticut, which, <clears throat> as a side note, no insult to my friends and family from back uh, in the East Coast, um, but I will often tell my <laughs> friends uh, when I'm asked out here where I uh, where I came from, uh, I'll tell them that I came from Connecticut, and the, I'll be like, it's the lamest state in the country, and they'll be like, oh, no, 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 that's not true, and I, and I don't really believe that. It's actually a great place. I'm very glad I grew up there, but people will be like, well, why do you say it's the lamest state in the country? I'm like, well, when you think of Nebraska, what do you think of, right? And people immediately say corn. I say, you know, when you think of Florida, what do you think of? <laughs> These days, the answer is probably COVID and rednecks. But um, the when you think of Connecticut, what do you think of? And people just pause and look at you. Occasionally, they'll say insurance. Um, and that's that's probably the best answer. Um but really, it's it's kind of a pit stop between uh, Boston and New York. I, I literally grew up halfway between the two. And I, and I never really, um, I don't remember ever encountering bears there in the like 18 plus years that I grew up living there. Uh, and yet on Facebook, I see my friends posting pictures of bears there all the time. Like suddenly bears have decided to migrate um, from to the state of Connecticut. I don't know why, um, if, if there's any... Um, any wildlife people out there who have an answer to that question other than the fact that like i don't know i I, have, I really have no idea i'd say that global warming um but uh the fact of the matter is, is that uh I, that would be bringing them down from like upstate new york and vermont maybe they just got bored of uh, and maybe they're tired of bernie sanders i don't know in any case uh this week's column is on bears and we do have a lot of them here in colorado um, but as I said, I think this column goes well beyond that. And so um, let's let's get right to it. This column is called Please Don't Feed the Bears. If you have never seen Walter Herzog's 2005 documentary Grizzly Man about bear enthusiast and conservationist Timothy Treadwell, I highly recommend you do away with your weekend plans right now and make some time to watch this fascinating insight into man's tenuous relationship with nature. Treadwell, a fascinating and enigmatic character who clearly smoked more than his fair share of weed, lived amongst grizzly bears in Alaska for nearly 13 years until, lo and behold, he was eaten by the very bear footage shows him with just days before. In that haunting prescient video, 
Treadwell could be heard suggesting to his girlfriend that the bear represented one of the few times that grizzlies might be a threat to humans, as he was notably underweight mere weeks before the start of the bear's crucial hibernating period, where they need to have sufficient fat stores for the winter. Not surprisingly, the film ends. Spoiler alert! (laughs) All right, all right, all right, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With audio of both Treadwell and his girlfriend being horrifically consumed by the bear. Years later, my dad, who is a nature photographer by trade, was flying in on the very same seaplane that Treadwell used to take into the wilderness of Alaska. When my dad asked the pilot about Treadwell, the pilot, a salty veteran who had grown up in the outer reaches of Alaska, simply sat back and laughed. Oh, the grizzly man, you mean? He was a fucking idiot. That's what he was. Thought he knew more about bears than everybody else. Well, everybody up here knows a bear will eat you. I guess that idiot didn't know that, now did he? (laughs) Which, by the way, is, is fucking hilarious. The lesson here, of course, is don't fuck with bears. They will, in fact, eat you. But I don't need a thousand words to convince the vast majority of you of that precious little nugget, now do I? But the reason I find this story so compelling goes well beyond Treadwell himself and centers on our relationship with nature in general. Truth be told, bear attacks are actually remarkably rare. I live in the mountains of Colorado, and while bears are so common in the area that nearly all of our public trash cans are bear protected, uh, and by the way, I can tell you countless bear stories of uh, bears in getting into my trash and walking down the streets and literally walking down the streets of Breckenridge. So if you come in here to visit, um, yeah, like I've literally seen a bear two blocks off of Main Street. So um, in any case, that said, uh, we actually just recently had our first bear fatality in the state since 2009. Now, while the most recent attack occurred near Durango in the very southwest corner of the state and was seemingly unprovoked, the 2009 attack came after a woman who had been feeding bears through uh, the hole in her fence for years. In both cases, the bears were, of course, euthanized. But should they have been? After all, what did the bears do other than bear-type stuff? You've all seen the enormous teeth and razor-sharp claws, right? What the hell do you think bears have them for? Oh, I'm sorry if that detracts from your desire to see them as the cute and snuggly creatures from YouTube videos and teddy bear factories. But these are wild animals, and they are supposed to be, well, wild. They're not supposed to conform to our human expectations and assimilate to our environmental impact on them. In fact, they have been living in these parts well before white people ever did. We are encroaching on their space, not the other way around. So if you don't want to live with bears as they actually are, not as you would have them be, then it is you that needs to go, not them. My old neighbor in Silverthorne used to complain that the bears would constantly keep getting on his deck to eat the grains from his bird feeder. (laughs) Well, then stop putting out the bird feeder, dumbass. The birds somehow managed to survive before you moved out here from Washington, D.C., But that's just the issue, isn't it? He wanted to cajole the birds to come hang out at his house. He wanted to control and manipulate nature to his desires and expectations, to control that which is naturally wild. And it is always there that we, as human beings, 
keep getting ourselves into trouble. Just a few days ago, our local paper reported that the Division of Wildlife had recently euthanized a fox that bit a woman who had been feeding her for the better part of the summer. Really? What the hell did the fox do that it wasn't supposed to do? The fox kept coming onto her property because she, despite repeated warnings and admonitions from local authorities, continued to want to make it her pet. She wanted to domesticize a wild creature to control it and adapt it to her expectations. But when the fox reasserted its wildness, refusing to adhere to her misguided expectations, who paid the price? I don't know about you, but I think they euthanized the wrong part of this equation. The issue here is rooted in our inextricable desire to control our environment, even when what we think we love so much about the natural world happens to be the very wildness we try to remove from it. Sure, some of us are more control freaks than others, but all of us, to some relative degree or another, try to manipulate the external world around us to meet our desires and expectations rather than adapting ourselves to live within the flow of the environment that surrounds us. I'm not suggesting that you lay yourself down in bear country, Alaska, covered in nothing other than wild-eyed salmon steaks, but the more we relinquish our control, the more we find ourselves living in congruence with the world around us rather than antagonistically meeting it with opposition and force. The battle here is as much within ourselves as it is external to our beings. It is an acceptance of the world as it is, rather than the preconceived notions of the world as we would have it be. So love the natural world for just what it is and embrace the wildness it contains. Just don't feed them picnic baskets. And with that, folks, that is this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are pleased to have you here each and every Thursday. Come on back next Thursday, and uh, we'll, have an, we'll have another episode for you. That's, that's kind of how this thing works. Until then, everybody, peace out. And, it, and enjoy the cheesy music on the way out. <laughs> <laughs>